nature myths and stories for little children by flora j cook this librivox recording is in the public domain animal stories the donkey and the salt one time a merchant went to the seashore for a load of salt there were many hills and streams to cross on the journey as the path was narrow and rocky the man made his donkey carry the salt in large bags upon his back it was a warm day and the donkey did not like his heavy load he hung down his head and went as slowly as he could after a while they came to a stream which had only a footbridge over it the donkey went through the water splash 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 in the middle of the stream was a large stone which he did not see he stumbled and fell and the water ran over the bags of salt soon the donkey was glad that he had fallen for he found his load much lighter they came to another stream but the donkey did not stumble this time he lay down in the middle of the brook he was a wise donkey this time he lost so much salt that his master was angry for he was obliged to go back to the seashore for another load as they were walking along the merchant laughed to himself he thought he knew a way to cure the donkey of this trick when they came to the seashore he filled the bags with sponges and started for home the donkey thought what a light load i have and trotted gaily along over the rough road again they came to the brook ah thought the donkey i will make my load still lighter he lay down in the middle of the brook this time he found his load so heavy that he could scarcely rise his master kindly helped him but the donkey was not happy. The water ran down his sides and made him more miserable. Oh, thought he, I will never lie down in the water again. Once more, his master led him back to the seashore. He filled the bags with salt. The donkey was wiser now and carried the salt safely home. The End The Fox and the Stork a fox met a stork and invited him to dinner with all my heart friend said the stork when they arrived at the home of the fox and dinner was served he was not so happy the fox had fine hot soup but he served it in shallow plates the poor stork could only stand by and watch the fox eat the fox seemed to think that it was a very good joke the next day the stork met the fox and invited him to dinner the stork brought out fine hot soup in a high narrow-necked bottle but the fox could not see the joke at all the stork said friend fox enjoy your dinner i hope that the soup is as well flavored as yours was yesterday as he said this he poured out half of the soup into a bowl and set it before the fox the cunning old fox felt so ashamed that he has never looked anyone straight in the face since that day the 
End. The Grateful Foxes It was springtime in Japan, and the blossoms hung thick on the cherry trees. Butterflies and dragonflies fluttered over the golden calza flowers in the fields. The rice birds chirped merrily. Everything seemed to say, How good it is to live in days like these! A beautiful princess, O'Hara-san, sat at the bank of a stream gaily pulling the lilies. All the maidens of her court were with her. Along the river bank came a troop of noisy, laughing boys carrying a young cub fox. They were trying to decide who should have its skin and who its liver. At a safe distance from them, in a bamboo thicket, Father Fox and Mother Fox sat looking sadly after their little cub. The princess's heart was filled with pity, and she said, Boys, pray lose the little fox. See his parents weeping in the rocks? The boys shook their heads. We shall sell the fox's skin, they said. The liver, too, if well powdered, will be used to cure fevers in the fall. Listen, cried O'Haru-san. It is springtime, and everything rejoices. How can you kill such a small, soft beast? See, here is twice your price. Take it all. And she drew copper money and silver money from her girdle. The boys placed the little frightened animal in her lap and ran away, pleased to be so rich. The cub felt the touch of her soft hand and trembled no longer. She loosened carefully the knot and noose and string. She stroked the red fur smooth again and bound up the little bleeding leg. She offered it rice and fish to eat, but the black eyes plainly said, This is very nice, but I hear my parents grieving near yonder beanstraw stack. I long to go and comfort them. She set the little fox gently on the ground, and forgetting its wounded leg, it leaped through the bushes in one happy bound. The two old foxes gravely looked it over neck and breast. They licked it from its bushy tail to its smooth brown crown. Then, sitting up on their haunches, they gave two sharp barks of gratitude. That was their way of saying, We send you thanks, sweet maid. As she walked home by the riverside, all the world seemed more beautiful to O'Haru-san. The summertime came, and the blossoms upon the cherry trees became rich, ripe fruit. But there was no joy in the emperor's house. His daughter, the gentle O'Haru-san, was ill. She grew paler and weaker each day. Physicians came from far and near, and shook their wise heads gravely. When the emperor's magician saw her, he said, No one can heal such sickness. A charm falls upon her every night, which steals away her strength. He alone can break the spell, who, with sleepless eyes, 
can watch beside her bedside until sunrise gray-haired nurses sat by her until morning but a deep sleep fell upon them at midnight next fourscore maidens of the court who loved her well kept bright lights burning all the night yet they too fell asleep five counsellors of state watched with her father at the bedside though they propped their eyes open with their fingers yet in the middle of the night slumber overcame them all believed that the gentle maid must die the emperor was in despair but ito a brave soldier said i shall not sleep let me one night guard the sweet oharu san her father led him to the chamber just at midnight Aitu felt his eyes grow heavy. He rose and held his sword above his head. Rather will I die than sleep, he said. Then came a great struggle. Often his head nodded. But by his love and strength, Aito conquered sleep. Suddenly he heard a voice which said, Great fox's livers in the princess's rice broth and all her ills will disappear the next morning the hunters searched far and near for foxes they knew that to the emperor a fox was worth its weight in gold all day and night they were in the woods without food or rest at last they came sadly back to their homes they brought no fox all the foxes know they said and had hidden themselves away the emperor in grief and anger cried must my child perish shall a princess die for the lack of one poor fox she was never willing that one should be slain and this is her reward ito said i will get the fox he started out with knife and net to seek it at the entrance of the town he met a woman dressed in strange garments very small and stooped she seemed to ito she carried a jar in her arms she bowed low before ito and said what you seek is in the jar i have brought it from afar here is gold said ito what is the price the woman pulled the blue hood farther over her face and said another time will do i can wait hasten now to the princess gladly ito obeyed they made the broth in a bowl of beaten gold and fed it to oharu san immediately she was well and all was joy in the emperor's house the emperor said ito is she who brought this blessing paid ito answered yonder she waits at the entrance of the town the emperor himself in his great joy went with ito to meet her but they found only a dog fox dead around his neck they read this message this is my husband here for his child he gives his liver to the princess dear i 
his very lowly wife, have brought it. The End How the Spark of Fire Was Saved Long ago, when fire was first brought to earth, it was given into the care of two beldams at the end of the world. The Karok Indians knew where it was hidden. They needed fire, and were always planning ways to get it. They went at last to the wise coyote. "'That is simple enough,' said he. "'I will show you a way to get it. Fire is a great blessing, and should be free to all people.' the coyote knew every inch of the road to the beldam's hut along the path leading to it he stationed beasts the strongest and best runners nearer the hut and the weaker ones farther off nearest the guarded den he placed one of the sinewy karokmen then he walked boldly up to the door of the hut and knocked the beldams not fearing a coyote in the least invited him in they were often lonely living so near the end of the world when the coyote had rested before the fire for some time he said the karok nation need fire could you not give them one small spark you would never miss it here it is of no use the beldams answered we do not love it but we dare not give it away we must guard it while we live the coyote had expected them to say this he sprang to the window and instantly outside were heard such sounds that the beldams rushed out to see what the frightful noise could be each animal in the line was sounding the watchword of fire in his own way the wild horse neighed the mountain lion roared the gray wolf howled the serpent hissed the buffalo bellowed and every small animal did its part equally well indeed it is no wonder that the beldams were frightened nearly to death the karokmen brought water and told them not to fear for themselves the coyote seized a half-burned brand and was off in an instant the beldams sprang after him and followed him closely over hill and valley faster than the wind they flew they were stronger than he and though he put all his wild wood nerve to the strain they steadily gained soon the race must end but puma the monstrous cat was watching and leaped up just in time to save the brand each animal was in its place and the good fire passed on it came at last to the karok nation and was afterwards free to all people under the sun there were only two mishaps in all the race as the squirrel turned a corner of stumps and boulders his beautiful tail caught fire and a brown track was burned up over his back to his shoulders, and the curl has remained in his tail to this day. The frog had a harder fate. He was the last one in the line of beasts. When the brand reached him, it was smaller than the smallest coal in the grate. He seized it carefully, 
and jumped forward as fast as he could. But the hand of the foremost beldam caught him and held him fast. How his heart beat! His eyeballs bulged out of his head, and he has looked ever since much in the same scared way. He did not lose his courage, however. He swallowed the coal and sprang into the water. Sad to tell, the beldam still held in her hand his special pride and care, his tail. Henceforth, only the tadpoles could wear tails. The frog sought a log and sat down upon it to think. I did my duty, even if I lost my beauty, he thought. That is enough for a frog. This spark must be saved. After much choking, he spat the swallowed spark well into the bark. The gift came in this way to all men, for, in even the wettest weather, if you rub two sticks together, fire is sure to come. Because we know how the frog hurt his throat that day, we like to listen to his hoarse voice when we hear him singing to his children in the spring. The End How the chipmunk got the stripes on its back do you all know the little striped chipmunk which lives in our woods? He has a cousin in far-off India called the Gilluri. It is said the stripes came on the back of the Gilluri in a wonderful way. One day the great Shiva saw a little gray chipmunk on the seashore. He was dipping his bushy tail into the sea and shaking out the water on the shore. Twenty times a minute he dipped it into the ocean. In wonder, Shiva said, What are you doing, little foolish gray Kiluri? Why do you tire yourself with such hard labor? The Giluri answered, I cannot stop, great Shiva. The storm blew down the palm tree where I built my nest. See? The tree has fallen seaward, and the nest lies in the water. My wife and pretty children are in it. I fear that it will float away. Therefore, all day and all night, I must dip the water from the sea. I hope soon to bail it dry. I must save my darlings, even if I spoil my tail. Shiva stooped, and with his great hand stroked the little squirrel. On the Giluri's soft fur, from his nose to the end of his tail, there came four green stripes. They were the marks of Shiva's fingers, placed there as signs of love. Shiva raised his hand, and the water rolled back from the shore. Safe among the rocks and seaweeds, the palm tree lay on dry land. The little squirrel hastened to it. His tail was now high in the air. He found his wife and children dry and well in their house of woven grass blades. As they sang their welcomes to him, the Giluri noticed with delight that each smooth little back was striped with marks of Shiva's fingers. This sign of love is still to be seen upon the back of chipmunks. That is the reason why in India good men never kill them. 
a man who loves both children and chipmunks says when he tells this story perhaps our squirrels though shiva never stroked them would be grateful if we left them unharmed to play in the maples in our woods the end an indian story of the mole an indian once saw a squirrel sunning himself in a treetop the squirrel saw the hunter and leaped upon a passing cloud he had escaped into cloudland before an arrow could reach him the indian set a trap for him hoping that he would soon return to the tree for food the sun happened to be coming that way and was caught in the trap suddenly in the middle of the day it became dark the indian was frightened and said ah oh, me what have i done i have surely caught the sun in my trap he sent many animals up to set it free but all were instantly burned to ashes at last the mole said let me try i shall bore through the ground of the sky and gnaw off the cords which hold the trap he did this but just as he loosened the last cord the sun sprang forth and the bright light shone full in his eyes the poor mole dropped to the earth and though his friends were able to save his life he was blind you need not pity me he said i prefer to live underground where really there is no use for eyes all the moles were so proud of this hero mole that they tried to be like him in every way they too went to live in a dark hole in the earth their eyes which they did not need to use became so small that they were entirely hidden by their fur indeed it is now so hard to find them that many people think the entire mole family is blind the end end of animal stories